What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a Football Friday. Yes, indeed, in late June edition of uh, Back Your Play with Q. Rich Quinones here. NFL Insider, good friend Lloyd Vance, kind enough to join us as uh, the rain has surpassed us down the shore. Now the sun's starting to come out. Uh, training camp right around the corner. Hall of Fame game, preseason, boom, the NFL season. But as Lloyd has said for the past 15 plus years, the new <laughs> cycle in the NFL never stops on Friday's edition of BYP, by the way, from our good friends over at Played Against Sports and Scoots Liquors. Lloyd, how are you, my friend? Uh, doing great. And uh, yeah, the NFL never sleeps. Actually, uh, the Jets reported on the 19th, so uh, they're already in camp and uh, we're starting to hear some what's going on with hard knocks with them and uh, Aaron Rodgers talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny you mention that because they're the best team to document Right. But I hear and I've heard over the last several years, the league will love to get away from doing hard knocks, which is just wonderfully produced by NFL films. I mean, it gives it gets you right in there, right? The meat and potatoes of what's going on within an NFL franchise. And I get it because you don't want to peel the curtain back too much. I totally understand that. But if there was ever a team that you want to stick a camera in front of to see if it's going to be a train that goes off the tracks or a train that goes around the track smoothly, especially with the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers, it should, it, it damn well better be a team like the New York Jets who, oh, by the way, haven't won a Super Bowl since 1969. So. Yeah. Q, and you know that some NFL teams don't want to be on it as you're saying, and it brings the, the shining light on them going into the season. And some of the teams have not done as well. Now the Jets, did make the AFC championship after they were last on it. And I remember covering that team in particular and talking to some of the guys in the locker room, um, you know, where they pandering for the cameras. You know, I talked to Danny Woodhead and Brad Smith and they were on that team. And, and they all said to me that, no, it, it they were themselves and Rex Ryan was himself. And then, you know, they just were going about their business and the cameras were there. So uh, it, it's a good selling point for lead. You know, they always want content for their, for their partners. And uh, I know a lot of people looking forward to the first episode. Yeah, they had a couple of good seasons. Remember with Sanchez at the helm and that great defense, as you mentioned, deep playoff runs. Um, yeah, it's it'll it'll be fascinating to watch because you're not going to get too too much. And it's funny how Robert Sala kind of flipped the script a little bit. Didn't want to do it now. Love these guys, you know, of course because it's FaceTime for you. But I think eventually the league will want to do away with that. All right, a little housekeeping, if you will. Uh, Melvin Gordon signs a one-year deal, $3.1 million with the Rams, gives them some insurance as a running back, uh, 30 years of age, nine years in the league, two-time Pro Bowl selection, uh, you know, a little cup of coffee the last couple of seasons with Denver after, I think, five-plus seasons with the Chargers. But the problem is, you know, this is a running back that can give you some depth, but I'm not giving him the football late in the game in the fourth quarter with the lead. I mean, I can't trust this guy. He had five, six, seven fumbles last year, and that's one of the reasons Denver turned around and released him. Yeah, and, and he's going to get his opportunities to, to come in there. Obviously, Akers is going to be the main guy with the Rams, and they drafted Akers to to be the main running back. And, and you know, Sony Michelle was there. and uh, But, you know, it, it, this is a good opportunity for Melvin Gordon to finally get back in the league and, and, and play with a team that has some urgency and, and has some championship intentions. Now we'll see where the Rams are. Obviously a key thing is going to be Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup. Can they come back from those injuries? But uh, he's a good piece for them that they added. And, uh, you know, it's good to see a running back at signed. I know you and I were talking off air and, 
you know, just about this is the age of the running back is yeah. devalued. So he's going to get his chance. Now maybe you'll see Dalvin Cook sign and, and some of these other backs out there. Yeah, Jets in Miami, rumored to be uh, pursuing Dalvin Cook. I mean, look, ultimately, they're just not getting paid. We can talk about it in nauseam. Like, if you were to kind of look at your top five running backs in the NFL, like complete backs, I would say there's top level, right? There's certain tiers, like guys that are ascending that you think, okay, they're on the cusp of being a superstar. Like, for my money, I, I think uh, McCafferty is one of your top backs. I think Chubb is one of your top backs. I mean, if Henry didn't lock so many carries, I would still put him in there. Cook, I can make that case. You know, a guy like Saquon, Kamara. I mean, are these guys that are superstars or are they that top tier? If I were to say, give me your top two or three running backs going into the season right now, who would it be? Yeah, you know, Q, you definitely have to look at Christian McCaffrey. He's obviously paid at the highest, and you saw the impact that he did with the Niners, once he signed with them, they used him a variety of ways, and he seemed very excited and energized to be there. So I put him in number one. Uh, you know, I, I always look towards Jonathan Taylor. He, he's a guy that's a big piece of that offense with the Indianapolis Colts. I, I think they're going to probably try to um, build that offense around him with uh, with Steichen coming in there, and, and uh, it, he's going to be his guy to carry the ball and, and help Richardson because he's a young quarterback. So I put Jonathan Taylor in there. And then you, you talked about a couple guys that could come in there at that third spot, you know, Saquon Barkley. Uh, and, and when I look at running backs, it's a guy that's got to do a variety of things. He's got to be able to pick up the blitz. Yep. He's got to be able to catch out of the slot and you know, on the wheel routes. He's got to be able to do short yardage and also have that home run ability. So Saquon and build Saquon Barkley definitely fits that bill. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how some of these other guys fit in there. I like Chubb as well, uh, but he's a guy that's not a big pass catcher. And, and then you look at what the Eagles did. You know, they decided to let Miles Sanders walk. You know, he goes to Carolina for $7.2 million, but then Howard Roseman spreads that money around amongst four running backs. You know, right. so you're seeing that more and more in the NFL where they're going with, by this committee. And and with guys getting worn down, you talk about Derrick Henry, you know, and the amount of touches that he's had the last couple of years. Um, I, I think Tennessee's kind of saying, okay, uh, maybe maybe we get a younger guy in the draft and, and and start taking some of the burden off the Henry. But you know, it's tough being a running back out there, and uh, these guys are valuable to their teams, but they just do not want to pay them. No, I mean, would you stick Pollard in that category? Jacobs in that category? I mean, to me, that there's that tier of superstar. I think Chubb is a fascinating back. I think he's brilliant. And then there's that lower level where game breaker, right? Saquon, uh, Taylor, you know, those guys, Jones to me, uh, those the home run hitters, so to speak. I mean, it, it's just, I, I feel as though we're just belaboring the point where I know these lists are subjective, right? Opinions are um, subjective for the most part. I can go back years ago when we thought guys like Gurley and Elliott were the best backs, but those were power backs, man. They were not as elusive, so to speak. They were not catching the ball out of the backfield as much. The all-around back nowadays can block, pass, protect, pass, block, get out of the backfield, catch the ball out of the backfield, you know, north and south, east and west. It's a rare back, and there's maybe two or three at best that can do that, right? I mean, even Eckler is kind of like that, uh, change of pace kind of guy that can do 
uh, certain things. You know, Sanders was like that with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think right now, if Henry didn't have the wear and tear, he's still right there. But I look at McCafferty. I look what he does. He's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Eckler's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Jacobs power back Swiss Army knife. Uh, Saquon had to work on the pass blocking, the pass protection, and catching the ball out of the backfield. But some of these guys that I mentioned, man, they are a threat every time they touch the football to take to the house. With all that being said, why is this position still? Forget about from a financial standpoint, but why all of a sudden now is in a spotlight where uh, let's just get away from the running back. We don't need the running back anymore, which I think is absolutely ludicrous. But why why has this become such a devalued, diminished position in your estimation in the NFL? Yeah, Q, I, I think a big thing is you got to look at the formations and how these offense coordinators are now deploying their weapons and and not even in – not only in the NFL, but also college and high school. They want to spread things out. So they're looking for that slot receiver. You know, everybody wants that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, um, Cooper Cup guy that can do things out of the slot. And then you have their burners on the outside that can move the chains a lot quickly. They want to score fast. They want a fast pace uh, play design. And then they, 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 you know, just churn it out like the old days where you're you're moving the ball and, and accumulating first downs via the running game just don't seem like it is. And, and and you'll see it every all the time. You know, it's third and short, it's fourth and short. And there, and Pat Mahomes is rolling out and he's throwing a little swing pass McKinnon for the first down. You know, even if it's like fourth and two, you know, they're not lining it up and trying to smash it against somebody. And even at the goal line, you're seeing a lot of this as well. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it, the design. And these younger coordinators and these play callers that are out here today, they kind of value more their quarterback as a trigger man. And then the receivers, um, you know, they can go four wide sets, five wide sets and, and, and a running back. Yes, they want a guy, but they want him to be able to catch the football. They don't want the guy that's just like Earl Campbell type that's just going to, you know, pound it up in there and, and, and a Christian Coye type of guy that's a runner only. Yeah, you sent me. Uh, that Facebook posting, OJ, Franco, Earl Campbell, Dorsett, Peyton. I mean, can you imagine? You're talking some all-time greats. These guys would not get paid. They would not even be utilized correctly or the right way in today's NFL. And we're talking about five of, uh, we can make the case, of uh, maybe the top 10 backs of all time. Certainly, Walter Payton right there, number one or two, depending upon if you're a Jim Brown kind of guy. But still, uh, it's amazing because no matter what, in bad weather, and inclement weather, when your passing offense is going nowhere, what do you need to do? You need to run. Yeah, and, and you know, and, it, and I hate to boil it down to you know popularity, but it, it, think of the pitchmen back in the day. You know, O.J. Simpson was a huge pitchman, and he he was the most popular player out there. And and you know, now it's all the quarterbacks. You know, everybody everybody wants everybody wants the quarterbacks to be their pitchmen and sell products and all that yeah. stuff. Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, he was. Uh... Before the Broncos and uh, being chased, he was running through the airports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, right? and, and now, now you always see you're seeing Mahomes yeah. selling uh, Subway sandwiches, and and, and Peyton Manning yeah. has been out of the league a couple years now. Yeah. He's still selling stuff, so it's all about I, the quarterbacks, you know, yeah, in I terms to, of marketing. I used to get killed for this making the joke on the air. I was like, look, man. They never, they never caught him in those Hertz commercials running through the airport. <laughs> they never caught him in the Hertz. 
Oh boy. Oh man. Um, all right. The other big story, uh, and really as we do the housekeeping, and this is kind of inevitable, we saw this coming was the sale of the Washington Commanders uh franchise. And I know everyone, and we know so many DC fans, Commander slash Redskins fans back in the day. Um, I mean, look, we knew the NFL was going to approve this. We knew the owners were going to get on board. And, you know, look, we can talk about Daniel Snyder all we want. I mean, you've got rid of the worst owners, maybe in all of North American uh, professional sports over the last 20 plus years, because the franchise hasn't won anything. But from a profit standpoint, think about what this man has been able to do and turn the type of profit that he's turned by acquiring, by purchasing this team. Uh, what was it back in 1999? Uh, Daniel Snyder did so. I mean, look, he's he's walking away a very, very rich man. 1999 for 800 million. 24 years late, 24 years later, he sells the team 6.05 billion. So that's about a 700 percent return on his initial investment. Um, wow, he got hit with the 60 million dollar fine, which was a drop in the hat right at the end of the day. But you had to get rid of him. Toxic environment, bad culture, all the stuff with the female employees and the cheerleaders. He's bad for business. Get him the hell out of here. With all that being said now, it does not mean that this franchise is all of a sudden going to turn it around. You still need players on the field, but it's a good start. I think if you're a Commanders or a uh, Washington football fan, you can kind of take a sigh of relief that no more Daniel Snyder, who is just writing checks out left and right. Yeah, and, and it was always that atmosphere around the team. You know, the fans weren't happy, and then it, it was retaliatory, you know, a lot of times with him. If you said something he didn't like, he would keep you off the radio station that he owned around the oh, team. Yeah. And, and I talked to some media guys, and, and you know, they were given a hard way to go, and, and they just didn't want to deal with him. And then, of course, there was a whole thing with the name change, and, and he said no way he was going to ever change it from no – old name to and then he brings commanders in and that's not that popular and then you talk about all you know non-disclosure acts that he has people yep. signed and all this stuff and uh it, it's just an ugly situation so that report came out as you said and and it had it was it was huge it had so much information in there and obviously 60 million out out the door is a lot to anybody else but the guy that's getting six billion you know um it's not that much to him but uh i i think there's going to be new air around this team they're going to try to get a new stadium and they're going to try to have a new birth now we'll see on the field you know they, they bring in eric the enemy to be the offensive coordinator i think he's probably the coach waiting we'll see on that Great. you know ron rivera is still there a guy who helped clean up that mess with Daniel snyder um but sam howell seems to be their quarterback of the future <laughs> for better or worse coming from north carolina in the draft and we'll see how he does but uh you know in this division we, we've seen it where they can compete and it, they do have some offensive pieces there, you know, Terry McLaurin and, and defensively, I think they have like four or five first round draft picks on. Gotta be healthy. They got to be healthy. They got the good running back too. Uh the kid that got shot that came back should have been the comeback player of the year. Um, unbelievable story. You know, Josh Harris probably has the easiest job in the world right now because he's not Daniel Snyder. To your point, they were eight and eight one. They, they played well. They had that tough loss against the Giants, questionable call late, but pretty much a 500 team. Um, it's just they've been so bad for so long. And it's interesting. If you go back and think about the Super Bowls that day one in the 80s, right? The two they won in the 80s and then that 90-91. They were all strike seasons. 
we forget about that 87 strike season, 91 strike season, that 82 season strike season. Um, it's just, it's fascinating. I think a lot of uh, skins fans, commanders fans forget about that back in the day, but it was a proud franchise under Gibbs, no doubt Theismann and the hogs and, 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 and Rigo and Riggins and Monk and all those guys, um, Daryl green. It was a great franchise, but I think, you know, what you kind of said with the enemy kind of in waiting, if this team goes south and win five games and Ron Rivera's done, nice guy. But look, you cannot continue to keep him on as head coach. They got a bunch of defensive players that haven't lived up to snuff yet because they're always off injured, but they still have some game breakers on that defensive side if or when healthy. But I guess the question is, why did it take so long for the NFL, right? Because I I, I always got this sense that you know, the whole Jay Gruden thing was kind of, I don't know, it, it didn't make sense. You know, I guarantee you Snyder had a hand in who you're drafting, who you're hiring, who you're dealing with. Probably didn't even watch any film on any of these guys. I mean, to me, why did it take the NFL so long to just kind of peel back the curtain with the Washington franchise and say, look, man, we have to figure out a way to force this guy to sell the team because this is bad for business. It's the elephant in the room. Everyone knows that he's running this franchise the wrong way and he's ruining a once proud franchise. Yeah, Q, it, it takes a lot to get rid of somebody at the NFL owners returning. You know, there's only 32 teams. And, and, and once these guys get in, they get entrenched. And in order to remove them, you know, it, it, they basically have to have a vote and all, all this stuff. So what they did was they put some pressure on Daniel Snyder. He didn't seem to crack. It took a long time. You know, Richardson down with the Panthers, yes, he had his issues, and then they got rid of him fairly quickly and, and pushed him out the board uh, door. David Tepper buys the team, and, and they have a new owner down there. Uh, Snyder was dug in, and then he started yeah. playing all kinds of games. You know, I don't own a team. My wife runs it on day-to-day, all that sort of thing. And, and um, he was just very entrenched, and and he didn't care. You know, he, he's the type of guy who would lawyer, lawyer up, and uh, he would just kind of – he thought he could ride this thing out. But when you have – you know, Robert Kraft and, and Jerry Jones and some of the other big owners out there and not in your corner, it, it's just hard to keep going. So I think eventually he said, you know what, it's just going to be issue after issue and they're going to keep coming after me. So why not sell the team and and, and kind of step away and, and go in a new direction now? They get Joshua Harris in here. Uh, he's a guy who knows about owning at, uh, teams from the NBA to the Sixers as well as the uh, New Jersey Denton. Devils in NHL. So experienced guy and, and he'll clean this thing up and get this team moving in the right direction. Uh, how about this? 1999, ready? I'm just going to rip through it. Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson, Jeff George, Tony Banks, Jeff George, Shane Matthews, Patrick Ramsey, Danny Wolfel, Patrick Ramsey, Tim Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, Patrick Ramsey, Mark Brunel, Patrick Ramsey, Mark Brunel, Jason Campbell, Jason Campbell, Todd, I'll have another Collins, Jason Campbell, Jason Campbell, Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, Rex Grossman, John Light Beck Beer, Robert Griffin Jr., RG3, Kirk Cousins, RG3, Kirk Cousins, RG3, Kirk Cousins, Colt McCoy, Cousins, 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 Alex Smith, Josh Johnson, McCoy, Sanchez, Keenum, Haskins, McCoy, Smith, Haskins, Kyle Allen, uh, uh, um, Heineke, Fitzpatrick, Garrett Gilbert, 
Heineke, Wentz, Sam Howell. I mean, this is a friggin' who's who. Campbell and Cousins is probably giving them the most consistency. And Alex Smith, you can say, but oh my God, like you're never going to win in the NFL when you have that type of quarterback carousel. I mean, think about it. The Green Bay Packers went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And we always talk about Cleveland. Everybody laughs at them and their litany of quarterbacks, but. It just shows you that Washington has not had a plan, and and there's a long term plan, and and yeah. you got to get that quarterback. And they made mistake after mistake in terms of quarterback position, and and they just have never gotten it right. So, you know, we'll we'll see if Sam Howell's the right guy, but you know that that's just indicative of this team. They've just been a mess in terms of quarterback position, and and um, they do have a proud legacy, as you said. You know, you know, I know Doug Williams and and. I walk around with him and, and I still we have meet Washington fans and everybody always talks about, you know, the, the proud team that they were and, and all the Super Bowl wins under Joe Gibbs and, and success. And it's just been one mess after the other after Snyder. He's tried to throw a lot of money at it, like signing Hainsworth and all these other big free agents, but it just never worked out. And uh, now they're moving in a new direction. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, listen, the NFL is better when Washington's better. I mean, growing up, you know, when the Giants of Washington was playing, man, the old RFK, the old Giant Stadium, you know, CBS, Pat and John, National Spotlight, 4 o'clock kickoff, you know, 1 p.m. kickoff. Those were great games, right? Washington and Dallas and Washington and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, You want those teams to be good because the better they are, the better the division is. It's just more competitive balance. It makes it more fun, right? You want to go through the best right? To be the best, you got to beat the best. And there was a time that they were um, some, you know, like I said, um, you know, the staple, right? The mainstay when it comes to the NFL. But I think if you're a Washington commanders, if you're a Washington football fan, you have to be ecstatic because at least, you know, you, you get rid of the toxicity, you, you get rid of the bad culture. It's a different era right now. But again, you have to be realistic. If they falter, you mentioned it, right? You've got a head coach already in waiting. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And we still don't know who's going to win this quarterback uh, battle, right? The quarterback competition uh, for this team as well. But they should be better. They should win a couple games here and there. They were 8-1, eight, eight and one, I believe, last year. Something to build upon. But it's just it was long overdue that Snyder um, – you know, turned around and uh, sold eventually. By the way, so the, this just came down. Uh, the Giants just signed uh, Cole Beasley to a one-year deal. So, uh, look, I mean, you know, he kind of flirted with them on a couple occasions last year. Brian Dayball, the Buffalo Bills connection, um, gives them, I guess, another veteran guy. I, I, for Daniel Jones, I still have no idea what the hell is going to happen with Saquon. He goes on that podcast. He says what he says. We want to rip apart some of the quotes here and there. Um, I'm telling you, though, I just think sitting out is bad juju. I think it's the bad play, but you never tell someone how to deal with their money, how to deal with their career. Uh, I do believe, as we close it out, I believe that this kid's getting some really bad advice, man, because if I'm him or someone close to him, I kind of pull him to the side. That's why it's called advice. But I pull him to the side and say, yo, ball out, show up, be the team leader, be that locker room presence, do it on the field, worry about next year when it comes. Um, because he did turn down several offers prior to not signing the tag. Yeah, Q. And, and you know, I, I think that 
Beasley will come here and have that veteran leadership. We'll see how much he has left in the tank, but getting to Saquon. Um, the more training camp goes and he's sitting out and he's seeing his his locker room brothers out there, and it, it, he's going to get that itch to play. And, and you know, eventually, you're, you're right. It, he turned down a lot of money, but $10 million for one season is still a lot, and, and he's probably going to have to get out there because sitting out a whole season – at this stage, it's just not conducive for athletes. You know, it just it just kind of hurts them, you know, just not getting those reps and the physicality of the game. So we'll see how this one turns out. But right now it's a soap opera, and he he seems to be dug in, and then the Giants are like in take it or leave it mode. Yeah, 100%. He's Lloyd Vance, at Lloyd Vance, our NFL writer uh, for BYP, and, of course, uh, our insider as well. Does a great job. Give him a follow. PFWA award winner, former ESPN NFL network contributor, and of course the Black College Football Hall of Fame selection committee, which he covered that wonderful event about a month or so ago down there in Atlanta. All right, next week, AFC, we continue with that conference, AFC West. We still got the AFC North as we kind of boil it down. And then we're going to blink. We're going to talk about boring Hall of Fame football where we're going to see starters out there for maybe a couple of snaps. But in any event, uh, always appreciate you jumping on board. Uh, Lloyd, uh, of course, uh, jumping on board from our good friends over played against sports and scoots liquors. Lloyd have a fantastic weekend. My friend we will do it again next week. All right. Q. Thanks for having me on. You got it, pal.